You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. If you want to come to know Christ more fully and more deeply, praying the rosary can and will do that. And then, of course, praying the rosary brings with it all of the promises and graces and benefits that God has chosen to reveal and to give to us through uh, through the rosary. And that, my friends, was Dan Burke talking about the contemplative rosary and the many benefits that can come from the rosary. Good afternoon. This is Michael Lichens, your faithful editor and host. And today I'm joined by Dan Burke, who's the president of the Avila Foundation, as well as spiritualdirection.com. We're talking about his latest book that he co-authored with Connie Rossini, another great author, called The Contemplative Rosary. It uses the imagination, the writings of John Paul II, of St. Teresa of Avila, and is a fantastic resource. Today we're going to be talking about how to start praying the rosary, how to keep ourselves from distraction, and a lot of little great advice in this tiny podcast. So thank you for joining us. Without further ado, here's me, Michael Litchens, and Mr. Dan Burke talking about the contemplative rosary. And this is Michael Litchens here with Dan Burke. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. It's great to be with you, Michael. It's always our pleasure to have you. So to talk a little bit about, we're talking about the contemplative rosary and praying in general. I'm just kind of curious for anyone who's never heard of a contemplative rosary, how is that different from a regular rosary? Well, it's it's an approach to the rosary that was recommended by uh, St. John Paul II, uh, St. Teresa of Avila in part, and also Paul VI, and I'm sure uh, there's there's uh, you can go back in history and find more saints and other people who have recommended an approach to rose, the rosary that is deeply meditative and can can prepare one for contemplation. So uh, the you know the key difference is is just uh, following Jesus' admonition. You know he he said in the Gospels when they said to um, you know Lord teach us to pray in Matthew six he said. Uh, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They they think they're heard for their many words. Don't be like them. And so he's warning us against a kind of prayer that is not prayer. Saint Teresa said it's not prayer to pray, vo- you know, vocal prayer or or the rosary or whatever, and not to consider who it is that you're praying to, and and to um, draw your mind to the reality that that God is actually present, that you're present with him. And she said, if you don't, if you're not attentive, then you're not praying and you're wasting your time. And so that's really kind of what we're getting at in terms of what does it mean to uh, pray the rosary in a contemplative manner. Okay, so, and would that explain why you also decided to use, of all the saints that have ever talked about the rosary, St. Teresa, John Paul II, which are fantastic, but what inspired you to want to use them for the roots of the contemplative rosary? Well, one is because uh, St. John Paul II wrote a beautiful uh, apostolic exhortation called uh, Rosarium Virginis Mariae, where he, of course, introduced the luminous mysteries. And in that, he uh, he's very well, um, how would you say, formed in, in Carmelite spirituality. Yes. And he uh, pointed out this reality of the need to be drawn more deeply into this prayer and not just say the prayer, but to uh, kind of enter into the prayer. And so that's one reason for John Paul II. And then for Teresa of Avila, she specifically taught in her writings, in, in particular in the way of perfection, about how it is that uh, a regular vocal prayer can lead to the heights of contemplative prayer. And when I say contemplative prayer, I'm not talking, some people might think, well, he's talking about meditation. I'm not. What we're talking about is 
a, a kind of prayer that only the Lord actually can give you, but that you can prepare for by diligently and regularly uh, indulging or, or, or drawing your heart to mental prayer, daily practice of mental prayer, but that your mental prayer is not just the recitation of a formula, mindlessly, if you will, which is what Jesus spoke against, mm-hmm. but to really uh, engage again with the person, uh, uh, with our Lord and with Mary, looking at our Lord through uh, and his suffering and his life through her eyes, and really uh, draw uh, as deeply as we can into that prayer, and that will eventually prepare us for the contemplative graces that come only from God. So, uh, Teresa of Avila, of course, in in the church, is is considered, you know, of the highest authority uh, regarding contemplation in the Catechism, for instance, in Part Four, which is uh, on prayer. They when they ask the question, "What is contemplation?" or the highest form of prayer, they ask it to Teresa of Avila, and then she she answers it. So uh, so those are the reasons why we chose both of those saints uh, to look try to get a fresh look at uh, the rosary and how we can enter more deeply into the beauty of uh, and the gift that the rosary is for us. Absolutely. And as a convert, I have to admit that the rosary was a struggle for me when I first approached it, because as you pointed out, it could be so easy to just go into recitation and to just repeat what you're reading off the paper or the pam- the rosary pamphlet. If somebody is... Uh, hearing this and they go, well, I've never tried the rosary. What are some of the reasons I should try to add this to my daily prayer life? Some of the, why should we add the rosary? Yes. Well, I, you know, first let me go back to something you said in a minute and you, you maybe you'll have to keep me on track. But, oh, no uh, worries. Uh, I'm a convert as well. Mm-hmm. So I understand the difficulty. In fact, the, the doctor, the church teachings regarding Mary were, were a real challenge for me to overcome to become Catholic. And then when I became Catholic, I started to pray the rosary. But I think one of the reasons that we pray the rosary is we have, you know, the promises of uh, from history. You know, for instance, in the back of the book, we have the the uh, 15 promises of Mary to Christians who recite the rosary. I'll just read a few of them. Whoever shall faithfully serve me by the recitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. The second is, I promise my special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary. I won't mm-hmm. go on, but... Uh, obviously, we have a, a, a long list of, uh, of, of promises regarding the rosary and benefits that were mystically revealed to St. Dominic. And we have, of course, uh, other, other uh, uh, apparitions and things like Fatima, where we're admonished to pray the rosary. So the rosary is a very powerful kind of prayer. Uh, when you look at it the way that we've uh, laid it out in, in terms of Reflecting on Saint John of the Paul, Saint John Paul's perspective, the Rosary is a very Christocentric prayer, a very Christ-centered prayer. There's only a few mysteries that are focused on Mary; the rest are focused on looking at the uh, the person and work of Christ through the eyes of Mary. So, mm-hmm. if you want to come to know Christ more fully and more deeply, uh, praying the Rosary can and will do that. And then, of course, uh, praying the Rosary brings uh, with it all of the promises and graces and benefits that God has chosen to reveal and to give to us through uh, through the rosary. And would you say the imagination is at work when we're praying a rosary, especially a contemplative rosary? If you're praying it right, it always should be at work. Your mind should be fully engaged. So in the book, as an 
as an example to help you with your ma- your imagination. The fourth joyful mystery, for instance, is the presentation. So mm-hmm. that's the. It says that Jesus present is presented in the temple, and we have a beautiful um, picture of uh, the of, of Jesus being held by the priest. You know, in the temple when when he was presented, and it has the scripture passage from Luke for meditation, and then there are seven meditations uh, for each of the uh, different mysteries, and these will all help you uh, in a very powerful way. Uh, to meditate on on the rosary more deeply rather than just uh, ripping through the um, through the uh, the mysteries. I remember uh, one priest. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't have revealed their priest, but one priest uh, bragged that he could get through it in like five minutes. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of what Jesus said not to do. You know, <laughs> uh, we need to we need to we need to proceed slowly, and we need to um, uh, we need mm-hmm. to um, we need to proceed slowly and. And thoughtfully, and uh, and uh, to draw our heart, our hearts and minds as deeply as we can into med- into the meditation on the particular mystery, and and the fruits will come. It, it's sort of Michael. It's sort of like you know, First Corinthians eleven twenty seven says that if we come to take of the Eucharist uh, in a state of mortal sin, then we are actually eating and drinking damnation. So by taking the body and blood of the Lord, we actually are are moving ourselves toward hell and away from God. Mm-hmm. But if we come properly disposed and we take the Eucharist, we're, we're, the Lord is taking us to heaven. So it's similar when we, whenever we pray and when we pray vocal prayer, to the degree that our hearts and minds are oriented to that what we are to to and engaged in what we're praying, the graces come. And to the degree we sort of do it in a rote way and without a whole lot of thought and and uh, and attention, we don't receive those great graces that God desires to give us. So, uh, it's it's praying the rosary this way is a very powerful way of overcoming our natural tendency to allow vocal prayer to just become routine. Yes, absolutely. And I did notice you use images there. As somebody who worshipped at a Melkite parish for nearly a decade, I my house is covered in icons Ah. and so it's something i've used in my prayer life but a lot of people are uncomfortable with it especially if uh, like you and i who came from a non-catholic background but i find that images do in fact help you to engage the imagination and keep your prayer life centered on christ yeah i mean you know you and i are similar i my two favorite icons you probably know them are from uh the uh, saint Catherine's in egypt the pantocrator yes Icon, and then the ladder of D- divine ascent, uh, which illustrates the teaching of Saint John uh, Climacus. So uh, I love icons myself, and uh, I, yeah, you know, the uh, are we're both body and spirit, right? And mm-hmm. there we have a need for beauty to draw us to God and, and imagery, and certainly we can't become attached to those things. John of the Cross warned about that. Yes, but it's why our why architecture matters. It's why our churches being beautiful matters, because we need in our flesh uh, a kind of sensible um, indicators or uh, guideways or um, I don't know ways to draw our hearts to heaven. And and so this this imagery can really be incredibly powerful. Now I don't know if I answered your question, but let me know if I missed it. <laughs> no, you certainly did answer the question. It's something I absolutely agree with. I like what you pointed out about we're body and soul. We have our five senses that if we can engage them all at once, which is why 
anyone who ever goes to a high mass or a Byzantine mass, and even a lot of Novus Ordo masses now, there's incense, there's singing, there's holy images everywhere. All your senses are engaged all at once, and when you're told to taste and see, it's like, oh yeah, already there. Yeah, you know, I love the Eastern liturgies for this. My favorite is Maronite, uh, where we mm. have five different languages of of, of uh, Greek, Aramaic, English, um, you know, all of these different beautiful Arabic, um, uh, all these different languages, and the obviously the use of incense and the singing, and you know, I it really does break you out of your your routine uh, and help you really taste heaven a little bit, and to the degree that we can. You know, even in our homes, like in, in my home, we have a chapel with an altar. Um, before we had that, we uh, we had my wife and I both have altars uh, with unique icons that mean something to us mm. and candles and that sort of thing. Because one of the greatest ish problems with our humanity in prayer is distractions. Yes. And so, really, you should use all the means that the church gives us, all of the beauty and tradition that the church gives us to really occupy our minds and hearts. You know, the non-Christianist uh, really promotes this idea of con- of controlling your mind and using mantras and, you know, things like that. But the, the Christian East and West says, no, that's really not the answer. The answer is to fill our hearts and minds with God. And so we can do that through our senses, through, you know, through our smell, through our sight, mm-hmm. through what we say, through beautiful imagery. And in the Contemplative Rosary, we did our best to both provide beautiful images, but also reflections that can draw your heart and mind to images in your own in your own uh, imagination, uh, and help you to focus on each of the the beautiful mysteries. Certainly, and uh, you've brought this up, and I know it's something I struggle with, but distraction and prayer, which I think almost everyone to a person struggles with at some point. Do you have any advice if somebody is listening to this and wonders, well, what else can I do to keep myself from distraction? What's a good first step for someone? Well, in in the Contemplative Rosary, one of the things that's completely unique about this book that will help Mm -hmm. you, for instance, if you're you're a normal person praying the rosary, if you've done it for a long time, it becomes kind of rote, and you just kind of Mm -hmm. blow through the Hail Marys. But, for instance, as I mentioned on the the presentation – what what St. John Paul uh, proposed to us that we do as well, it was also proposed by uh, Paul VI in Marialis Cultus, uh, which he wrote in, in 74, but is to use a clause, a clause in the middle of the rosary at the apex where we're talking about the fruit of her womb, Jesus. So, for instance, uh, the way you would say the Hail Mary for the presentation to keep your mind focused and avoid distractions and drift, drifting away would be, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, whom you presented in the temple. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. So each mystery, you're drawing your heart in the middle of the Hail Mary back mm-hmm. to what it is that you're meditating on. That's a, It's a very powerful aid to prayer. Uh, some of the things that we've already talked about, like having icons, having a prayer area that you use only for prayer. Um, I wrote a book recently called uh, Into the Deep, Finding Peace Through Prayer, and and in it I reveal what I would call the secrets of the saints. What is it that's true about all the saints and the way they prayed, even though 
you know, St. Louis de Montfort had this great devotion to Mary, and, you know, uh, the Carmelites have a different way of praying than the than Ignatian prayer. But what is constant across all the saints, and one of them is having a sacred space or a little altar that's dedicated for nothing else but prayer. Um, another mm-hmm. one is having a sacred time that you always pray at the same time, at least in the morning, and that helps your body helps you to you know have your body become your friend instead of your enemy in prayer because if you if you get up at every single day at the same time and you pray your body will help you as an example i get up at four o'clock every morning to pray and wow. you know the, the, so i'll tell you a downside of this when i go to la so i live in birmingham which mm-hmm. i think is two or three hours of difference from la so at 2 a.m., my body wakes me up and says, hey, wh- hey, dude, why aren't you praying, you know? But, so you're, so it's a downside on travel, but the point is that my body now expects me uh, to be in a certain posture. It expects me to be praying, and it, so it helps me. I'm using my humanity. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm using my faculties. We just read a few days ago uh, in uh, the readings of the Mass that, we shouldn't allow our members of our body to become slaves to unrighteousness, but to righteousness, meaning that we use our faculties. We, you know, Michael, you and I take control of our faculties. They don't control us and lead us away from God, you know, in sexual sin or other, you know, deviant or bad activities or, you know, we don't allow our minds to just do whatever they want. No, we learn, as St. Paul said, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Romans, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So we, we have all these admonitions in the New Testament and from Jesus himself to, to you know be sober and stay alert. Don't let the world lull you into sleep. That we are supposed to be in command of our faculties. And so we do that through art, architecture, uh, sacred space that we can create in our homes, mm-hmm. sacred time, which is the, doing it, you know, the same time. And then also using a method like Lexio Divina can be a big help. Yes, again, absolutely. And what amazes me is all your advice is actually, it's very applicable to learning how to pick up any habit, which I think experts say it takes about two weeks for you to pick up a good habit. But anything like just making sure you're at the same place, same time every day, and eventually your body wants to get into the routine as well and will remind you whether you want to be reminded or not to get back into that routine. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that happens, it usually takes about a month, you know, but if when you are not used to a regular routine of prayer and you don't get up at the same time, Mm -hmm. your body will always resist you, you know, whether it be reminding you. I call it you have monkeys in our heads, you know. And, yes. and thousands of them, they, they always want to tell you things you have to do and what's coming up next and what to worry about and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can manage that by getting up early when you're a bit groggy. You know, groggy monkeys rarely cause a ruckus. So my, I've got a pretty active mind, so I need to start early when all my monkeys are mostly asleep. But, um, you know, if you if you use your body to help you with that kind of rhythm, if you don't, uh, what happens is uh, if you change your prayer time all the time, your body is never your friend. Uh, you know, you're, if you don't get up at the exact same time, your body's going to say, you know, I'm really tired. Why don't you stay in a little longer? But if you make a solemn commitment to God that, you know, you would take the confession if you violated it, mm-hmm. uh, most of us of goodwill are going to say, okay, I don't care how you feel. It's 615 and I promise to God and I'm not, I'm not a liar and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to dishonor him by not keeping my promise. I'm getting up. 
So mm-hmm. get up. But after 30, 60, 90 days of doing that, uh, your body really uh, begins to, uh, you're, in, in, in essence, you are in command of your faculties, and they begin to serve you to God rather than hinder you from uh, or, 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 or take you away from him. And that is a very great promise to have, something to look forward to as you try to learn to pray. And Dan, uh, to wrap up this interview, where can people learn more about the Contemplative Rosary or about your great work through Spiritual Direction? Yeah, go to spiritualdirection.com, and we have a, uh, a uh, resources page there. And you can, uh, uh, you'll find on the resources page, it's, uh, you'll find my latest book. Well, this is my latest book with Connie Rossini. By the way, Connie Rossini is a fantastic author yes. and has great resources at Contemplative Homeschool. But you'll find uh, a link there to Contemplative Rosary, to my book Into the Deep, and then a recent book on mindfulness that I think would be interesting to folks. But spiritualdirection.com is just filled with resources for you to grow spiritually and deeper in union with the Lord. Yes, and we'll put all those links at uh, catholicexchange.com. We have a very similar mission, Catholic Exchange's Spiritual Direction, so we like to share their work once in a while, and we'll be putting links there as well as to some of Dan and Connie's other books. But Dan, before we end this podcast, I just want to say thank you so much for writing this book, and thanks for taking a few minutes to educate all of us who are bad at prayer how we can be a little better at it. Well, I want you to be a lot better, Michael, but yes, yes. thank thank you for having me on. (laughs) And once again, that was Mr. Dan Burke. Dan is a frequent guest on podcasts. He owes his own through spiritualdirection.com. You can find out more about his books through there. And as well as many speaking appearances, his EWTN appearances. Really, spiritualdirection.com is a fantastic resource, not just to learn about Dan, but how to pray in general. We link them frequently through catholicexchange.com, which you can go to. And if you have any questions, email me, editor at catholicexchange.com. Especially let me know if you have any prayer requests. I do absolutely try to pray for each and every one of you that ask, and I ask other members of my team to pray for you as well. So, editor at catholicexchange.com, let me know any questions you have, let me know any guests that you really desperately want to see, and what questions you think I need to ask them. Or, if you just like the sound of my voice and want to hear more of it, that's editor at catholicexchange.com. You can also go to catholicexchange.com to donate. $5 a month really helps us out a lot, so any of you who can support this podcast as we grow it, we have a lot more stuff coming out. Uh, Look for Advent. You're going to have a special podcast coming out for Advent. I'll let you know more about that in the coming weeks, but you'll definitely see that. So once again, this is Michael Litchens. Thank you all so much for listening. God love you. Have a wonderful week.